Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. The Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Real people, real conversations. I am pumped to be part of Have the Conversation. Joining the conversation is Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of The Woman Behind the Smile, best-selling author, international speaker, entrepreneur, fellow podcast host, and a woman on a mission. In her page-turning book, The Woman Behind the Smile, Debbie shares her personal experience with the love that turned into betrayal and financial disaster. Many of us have something that we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, or something that, through no fault of our own, keeps us hidden from each other and the world. And Debbie is no different. After losing over $1 million to her forever guy and someone she thought was as close as family, Debbie has now removed the mask of shame and shows others how to do the same. If you've been a victim to an online scam, relationship fraud, or have to hide behind the mask of shame, we want to extend our support your way. For additional information and resources surrounding topics discussed in this and any of our episodes, please visit htcpod.com. And a special thanks to Debbie for stopping by and leaving us with a smile. Well, let's just jump right in because um, when we heard your story in terms like relationship fraud come up, it's hard to not really have like a preconceived notion (laughs) in your head of what really um, took place. So now that you're on the other side of it, I would love to hear your version of what took place. You know, it's a really amazing thing because prior to this, I never would have understood it either. I'd never heard of an online relationship scam. And just to give you a little perspective, this happened to me in 2010. So it's been a while and a lot's come up since then. But when it happened, uh, my husband had passed away suddenly. And I was working, I was working my job, I was working his company, I was doing everything. And my friends said I had no life. So they just said, hey, get a life, do something, you know, other than work. And I had been married for 26 years. So I hadn't been on a date in a really long time. And that was very, it's actually very scary to me to start dating again at 52. And I felt when they said, get a life and get it and start dating, um, the only thing that I felt safe would be perhaps online dating, because I wasn't ready for an in-person relationship yet. I, I was... I was too busy and I, w- I guess I might have been a little bit scared. So I thought online dating would be safe. I'll go to a faith-based site. I'll find, you know, someone that is an international or a businessman because I own a company. I also was working and I was looking for like-minded people, which surprised me when I was checking out the 55 to 62 year olds because many of them couldn't write. They showed up in wife beater t-shirts. <laughs> they they had motor and, and nothing against motorcycles, but they had motorcycles with girls hanging on their on their sleeves. Yeah. And I'm like, no, this not is not what you're me. looking for. Not for me. <laughs> so I jumped on actually to a faith-based site, thinking that we would have something in common and that it would be safe. And and I'd also had some friends who had found uh, husbands or significant others through that. And I said, okay, so, but when I went to my mother, I figured if my mother was for or against, that would for me be the litmus test. And my mom, she was in her seventies at the time. She said, hey, I've got friends who found their husbands and just be careful, but this is really fun. And so I dipped my toe, but basically jumped in and, uh, and it was an interesting adventure again safe because i was in my home Uh, i could chat or talk and back then it was a little different than today it was mostly the dating site at first and then we moved off i met a gentleman from england he was an international businessman it was in houston at the time 
and he was going to, uh, he had just gotten a contract with a job in the Far East. So he said, let's get off the dating site because I'll have better access to talking to you and talking, I air quotes, it's more like chatting, was on Yahoo Chat. And mm -hmm. that was pretty new for me. That was pretty techy. Uh, and so that was instant messaging 24 seven. And we did that for two years. I actually, it was very interesting. I, I kept a journal for, through those two years and I copied Ooh. and pasted every contact I had with him, every chat, every email, every everything. And I put it in my journal thinking I was gonna have family history for two years and turned out to be 4,000 pages of evidence, which couldn't be used. Oh, what a premonition. I got goosebumps. <laughs> Why could it not be used? Because he's not in the States. They couldn't do anything. Oh, my at least that's yeah, what they told me. Book was fascinating. I could not put it down. <laughs> the, and the book was loosely based on my conversations uh, in my in my journal. The yeah. journal I still have five printed, you know, four thousand pages of printed of printed books, uh, and they're on my bookshelf. They remind me of what not to do, but I've also used them to to warn people because it's interesting going back. I look I look at things now obviously hindsight is 2020 and there are things that i call pink flags mm -hmm. they weren't red flags at the time uh they weren't even yellow flags for the most part because honestly i didn't i didn't i didn't know there were scammers i wasn't anticipating them no one ever told me about them and so there when there were times when i felt a little uncomfortable he always had an answer to my questions he always walked me through it and got me to that point where I would say yes or whatever I was doing uh, and that was even true with the money and people are like well, how in the world because I was an air force intelligence officer I was a former banker a paralegal I had been well trained uh, well schooled educated I was just at the right time at the right moment in my life and I had the right person <laughs> to take advantage but again, I didn't know I was being taken advantage of because it, for me, it was a conversation. It was a relationship that was building. It was safe because he wasn't here. Yes, it was full of ups and downs and emotional times, especially when he was supposed to get here and didn't get here. Uh, uh, and when he asked me to help him the very first time. That's what I wanted to, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, asked, he asked me to, to, one of his friends was um, an engineer and I don't know where he was at the time, I can't remember, but he's having a hard time getting onto the dating site. He said, hey, could you send a check into the dating site and help my friend out? And at that point, I'm like, sure, because the number of guys that I'm looking at are, it's pretty pitiful. <laughs> and so this would be a great way to get somebody new on the dating site, mm -hmm. not knowing that that makes them a credible, credible scammer because now they're wow. a paid participant. Uh, I learned that later on. So that was a small amount of money and I actually sent the physical check into the dating site. The next ask was, and again, I'm a, I'm a businesswoman, I run a business, I understand that sometimes you don't get paid for your job until after the fact. So as we were getting to know each other, he had a company, I had a company, we discussed business, we, he was really a confidant to me too, because Lou had died suddenly. And I, I was just frustrated. I, I had not run his company before. I didn't know all the answers. I was really good at asking clients, vendors, everybody how to keep the company going, but I needed someone to keep me going. Mm -hmm. And so we would go back and forth and he asked me to do a business plan for his company. And it was really interesting business, personal dynamic. But when he said, Deb, I'm having some trouble 
with certain things. Could you just help me? And when I'm done at this point, I felt like he was going to be my future. Mm -hmm. I felt like he was going to be family. And that's the key for me. It was when I knew, or I thought I knew that he was going to be my future family. I do anything for family. Mm -hmm. And so he said, we have to get a power of attorney drawn up so that when, when I come over there, cause he was coming with his, with his son and sister from England, he said, we need to have some bank accounts set up. We need some legal things done. My attorney, whose name was Peter, and I'd been introduced to Peter online, said, we needed a power of attorney and it was going to cost $2,500. Well, I'm thinking when I was a, pa a paralegal, it didn't cost $2,500 for a power of attorney, but I didn't, I didn't question because now it was international law and I didn't know how, what the expenses might be. So even though that was our first little hiccup uh, financially, because I always say that I'm one of those damn Yankees who doesn't give money away to anybody, <laughs> uh, I did say yes. And I, and this was interesting, as a banker, going to Western Union felt a little bit off to me. Yeah. And, and I was like, why am I doing this? But I just felt like if I did this and we could get him home soon, he could be here for Christmas. And it, there was a lot of urgency to it. It's like, we have to yeah. get this done. There's and loneliness I, and yeah. confusion. You know yeah. what I mean? So, I mean, that's like a perfect cocktail. For Absolutely. To go and wrong. I didn't, I didn't, I guess I didn't want to question because at that point I'm thinking, well, this is going to be my forever guy. I don't want to question him over something like this. Yeah. Uh, we have the trust built. It was built very quickly. The only thing that I felt a little odd about with him at the very beginning was that he started to profess his feelings rather quickly. Mm. And because I'd been married for so long, I, my spider sense was going, Are you sure you want to say this to me? Are you sure that I'm going to be your gal? And then finally, I just said, well, this is really fun. This is great because I felt like I was 16. Those endorphins and, you know, the hormones were raging and it was just, it was fun. And I got to the point, I don't know if you know Yahoo chat, but there's a little ding, 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 as I call it, the little alert. And middle of the night, I could be sound asleep and I would hear that ding, ding, ding on my computer. And I would up out of bed and race to my computer and be wow. typing for hours. Even if I had to go to work the next morning, I would, I'd stay up because I, I thought he was over in Malaysia and I knew the time change was huge mm -hmm. there. So just to be able to, to chat with him was really fun. And folks asked me, did you ever, did you ever talk to him? Uh, the, I knew internet was difficult because he kept telling me that it was, the internet was hard. I couldn't Skype with him. The phone calls, there were two or three and he had a British accent, which just fed right into the story. Oh girl, I know that life. <laughs> yeah, something this is great, but it was very distant and it was not a good connection. Uh, yeah. So we kept it pretty short, but that just cemented in my mind that this guy's he's from Britain and he's overseas and he just is having a hard time connecting. So can I ask how long did he wait until the first ask asking you for financial help? It was, it was a couple of weeks. And the, the first ask was that dating thing. That and that was, that was more kind of fun. The mm -hmm. business ask was uh, soon after that. Uh, and again, it's, it was the urgency of it. And I thought, well, you know, he's going to pay me back because there were always assurances yeah. that it would pay me back, pay me back with interest. This is going to happen quickly, not to worry. Yeah. Well, when it dragged out, because it did, we were in this relationship for almost two years. At mm -hmm. some point, I'm sure my, le my legal and logical brain was saying, hey, 
this is enough and I don't have any more money uh, or I, I could I could find it again because it was family I, I found it I didn't have it sitting in the bank but I just felt like if I stop now if I disconnect now I've already lost this amount of money mm. and I wasn't sure about the total until the very end when I did add it up but I had incredible bank records I had meticulous documentation and so I just felt like okay this is the last time it's, it's the next time's the last time and we call it now chasing the money it's like when you're gambling yes. you always think well the That's next time the it. next time yeah. yeah the next time's the hit the big hit and uh, the next time didn't come until the very end. <laughs> Did he ever say, I will pay you back? And Oh, all along, really? all along. So, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, and the other thing is, it was interesting too, is he, he got his sister involved. I thought it was his sister. Mm -hmm. And so Mary and I got to be friends also. There was one night we had, I had on Yahoo chat, you have little message boxes at the top mm -hmm. and I was talking to Mary and his son Kenny in England and I was talking to Peter his attorney and I was talking to him and typing the whole time around I wasn't talking mm -hmm. physically but I was typing and uh, thank goodness I'm a really quick typer <laughs> but when we had to for instance uh, there were there were things that came up and I didn't have enough money but he's like well Mary will help you out and so Mary and I would be talking about how we were going to sell our jewelry or how we were selling our stocks or our investments and she would do half and I would do half again making me feel like someone was helping me out in this I wasn't doing this all myself yeah, and I figured, well, the Mary relationships were there yeah. absolutely and, and honestly, her relationship with me was very interesting because I would ask her questions about him to try to find out what's he like. And then I would ask him about her and her life. And she had lost her husband and had kids. And it was very intricate and just an incredible family story uh, built on, on lies now, but it was very crafty looking back. And wow. now that you know the truth, do you feel like all of those people were one person or was this a group no. of people? No, and, and I, I actually work with a group called SCARS, the Society of Citizens yeah. Against Relationship Scams. And we work with men and women, mostly women, a lot on this. There is no he. The he is a they because it's organized crime. They are not there. This is a huge organization sitting in office buildings or in universities in Nigeria and Israel and England, where, wherever they may be. They are very well trained. And if you think about years ago when we offshored <laughs> call centers, we basically mm -hmm. sent them to India, to Nigeria, to all these places. So we've got this pool of, of individuals who may not have good employment opportunities, and they're now sitting in call centers. They're being trained in universities and they have their own journals, their own, you know, message boards. They have their own uh, programs where they keep track of what they're saying. And, and if I, looking back at everything that I wrote, there's no, I love you, Debbie. It's honey, my love, wow. my sweet, my wife. They never say your name. And if you think about that, it's because they're working 50, 100, 200 yeah. women you can't keep their name straight. So it's generic, my love. And as the person on the other side, you're thinking, oh my gosh, he's talking to me. He's talking to my heart. Yeah. Well, he is they, and they are now knowing what the whole story is. Because I, I wondered that too, because I kept my journal. So I could always go back to my journal and read it and then question based on what he had said. Or I say he again, it's a they. Yeah. And I wondered, how does 
how does he remember? How did he remember looking after the fact? How did he remember that? And that's when I was told, well, you know, they keep, it's like a call center now when you call in and you're talking to Netflix and, or whoever, and they're keeping customer information, customer, yeah. customer yeah. said something. That's what they did. It's just very professional. And if they could do what they do f- for good, that they do for bad, they'd be phenomenal. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, that's, that's how it that's always that's works. Hard. Yeah. There had to be some people in your life that kind of were raising eyebrows and saying like, Hey, Debbie, you might want to rethink some of this. Like, did you have any of that friends or family? I did. I had at the beginning, it was my boys. I've got four kids and my older sons were like, mom, don't, don't, don't. Well, I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys have kids, but when I hear don't, 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 I'm the adult here, leave me alone. <laughs> right? I don't have kids. I still don't like don't. <laughs> yeah. well, I didn't either. And I think, okay, so now I'm alone. Your dad's not here. My youngest was still home, but he was very involved in football. So he wasn't around. And this was my, this was my lifeline. He was my lifeline. Mm-hmm. So when my boy said don't, and my girlfriends were, who were very excited at first started wondering, what's going on here? She's not really talking about it. Then I said, okay, guys, you either have to stop or I'm not going to tell you anything. And that's exactly what the scammer wants. They want to isolate you from friends and family so that you don't listen to what they're saying. And you get caught up in in the whole story, you caught up in the emotions of it and the adrenaline and the love and all the things that you think is going on. It's actually technically called an amygdala hijack where you're, you're, sensories are just hijacked by all the things that you want to happen and the relationships that you want to have and to the point where I stopped telling my kids and my friends what was really going on I never told them about the money they would have just jumped all over me uh, because I thought I, I was preparing my future with a man that's going to pay me back. He's going to bring some good money in and we're going to have a lovely life. And that journal is going to be the history. And my kids can look back on it and say, wow, that was really cool, mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, even, I mean, I can relate to that. And I think anyone who's been in a toxic relationship can relate to the ignoring the red flags and protecting this thing that you just wholeheartedly want to be your future and your truth. And you sacrifice your boundaries and your time and maybe you're not getting treated the way you know you should, but you just have this vision that you can't shake. I feel like a lot of people have been in, in that place, even if it doesn't sure. have to do with a, an online scam. So I could, I could see. How, well, how and I, at the end, I got to the point when I found out it was a scam, I'm thinking, well, if you can't, my counsel to everybody is if you haven't seen the whites of their eyes in two weeks, it's a scam. And then I met Benita Alexander, and I don't know if you know Benita's story, but she was an, an NBC reporter out of New York who was in, got engaged to an international surgeon, Italian. Look, at, look it up. She was going to get married to this man and w- had a huge wedding in Rome and invited an incredible uh, group of array of international celebrities and whatever. And it turned out that he was truly a, an international surgeon, but a charlatan and a scam artist. And they had multiple families and oh, unbelievable. And she had lived with him, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, wow. So we can all get taken at some point in our mm-hmm. life. And so the naysayers, and, and I had that one time when I, after I came out with my story and I was speaking to a group of women, I had one lady just look at me and I call it the stink eye. 
Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, I could just, I could stop right now. I don't have to tell a soul until I looked at the woman beside her whose head was bobbing up and down. And I'm thinking, I'm talking to her. I don't need to talk to that other one because God bless her. And I hope, sure hope (laughs) nothing ever happens to her. But I found that something's going to happen to every one of us at some point in our lives. And don't be the victim blamer because the victim could be you. It could be your mother. It could be your daughter. And it yeah, was none me, of us are immune to deceit, right? Like, yeah. it's just none of us are immune from that. No. And the millennials are actually being taken more on the scams now. And you saw that Tinder swindler. Yes. That's what we call that financial thing. Well, they weren't quite in a financial thing, but the big thing taking the millennials right now is a terrible name, but it's called pig butchering. And it comes out of China. And if you think about getting the, the, the pigs ready for slaughter, they're just... They're bringing you in and it's a short term, it's not a real romantic relationship, but it's a it's social engineering. It's a relationship fraud where they bring you in and then within a week or two, they're saying, hey, I've got this great investment. And typically it's cryptocurrency. And yeah. so our dear millennials who are growing up in, on the internet thinking they're so safe because they know how to work it. All of a sudden now they've got this new friend who's going to teach them how to do cryptocurrency and how to invest. Mm-hmm. And they bring them in, they make some money, they give it back. Now they invest more. And within, you know, all of a sudden now you've got all your investments and all your savings in this investment and poof, they're gone. So <laughs> our, <laughs> young, our young men and women are not happy victims. They're pretty right. ticked off. Yeah. Where right. the older victims that have been through the relationship a uh, long-term relationship and what you know for me it was two years for most it's four to six eight months maybe a year mm-hmm. uh, and it's getting faster as they get better it's mm-hmm. just what took two years for me they're doing it six to eight months now unbelievably quick why but, do you think people are so susceptible to just that is it is it the loneliness is it it's not loneliness it's uh, I mean it might be but I I sure. never I never thought of being lonely I liked the companionship I liked yes. having someone to talk to me. And one of my girlfriends who's passed away in the last couple of years, she was a psychologist. And she said, Deb, when she, when she got to talk to me and started pulling feelings out, she said, all those 20 something years you were married, your insides, if you think of a piece of Swiss cheese, you had a hole in you that felt like it hadn't been listened to. Mm-hmm. Thinking, ding, ding, ding. That's true. I had a very smart husband, bold, bodacious, brilliant but he didn't always listen to me and I didn't want to have any contention. So I just kind of said, yep, and let him do his thing. And I did mine and we had, you know, we had a wonderful family, but in that particular spot, I did have a big hole that hadn't been listened to. So mm-hmm. 4,000 pages later, guess who's been listening to me? <laughs> right. And right. he said the right things and he would send poems. I mean, there are guys, there are scammers that will send candy. They'll send flowers. They'll send physical items now that didn't happen to me. Uh, but they're trying to validate who they are and make mm-hmm. you feel like they're for real. And mm-hmm. so, again, I thought he was my forever for real guy. And uh, I'm sure the blinders just, you know, now looking back that. Of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You can look back and see things that you wouldn't have been able to see when you were in it. I think that's. Totally Which is normal. true for even a, a relationship in person. Correct. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah I've talked there. to any of my divorce friends and they're wishing that. They- <laughs> They had seen those. those yeah, I'm married to someone with an accent and I still feel like I'm getting swindled sometimes. 
I won't tell him. <laughs> I'm so curious though, like what was the, the turning point where you finally discovered and, and had to accept, okay, this, this is a scam. This isn't real. Okay, on September 10th, 2012, he came online. Sorry, I was bobbing her head. Yeah, he came online and we were typing. And he said, Deb, how do you feel about forgiveness? Well, we'd had many spiritual discussions over the years. So I put on my spiritual hat and we you know, started talking about this and the forgive seven times 70 or seven times 7,000 or whatever. And, and so I felt like, okay, so this is, this is a good conversation. And then we got disconnected. And a few hours later, he came back and said, revisit this. And I'm like, have I done something wrong? Why are we talking about forgiveness? And I always think now, did I do something wrong? I know, Why do we do I that thought. fallback? And he said, I have something to tell you. It's going to hurt you. And I just wanted to know that you could forgive me for hurting you. And I'm thinking, well, you don't have to hurt me. You don't right. really need to do this. And he said, I have a confession to make. And when I heard that, it was like a gut punch because I had heard that once in my marriage and it didn't turn out to be a very good thing. Mm -hmm. And so I was just on edge. And he said, I have a confession to make. This has all been a scam. Wow. I'm thinking, what? What's been a scam? Are you sick? Something's wrong. And he said, no, this has all been a scam. And I'm really sorry. And I said, now you're lying to me. Now you have to prove to me that you're telling me the truth. Wow. And he said, on Yahoo chat, there's a small camera. I'd been asking for that for two years. He goes, I'm going to show you how to, how to open that up and I'm going to come on live. And I'm thinking, okay. So it, you visualize this. I have dual screens on my computers. I'm looking at my handsome Brit and up pops this little square corner in my corner. And now live, I'm seeing a dark hair, dark eye, dark skinned young man with a big smile on his face. Big smile. Big smile. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? And for me, that was like hitting a brick wall. It was yeah. just, that was the turning point. It was, I'm, it, I look back now and it was a blessing that it happened yeah. because it was that brick wall. It was that stop in the moment. And oh my gosh, now the, the my heart was, was separated from my head and mm -hmm. my logical head said, okay, pick up your phone and take a picture of him. And if you look at the book, there is one picture of him. And it was that moment when mm -hmm. he had just confessed to me. Um, and then I started thinking, well, I've watched a lot of shows. I, I know what the FBI can do. Keep him going, keep him engaged, keep him. And the reason he had a smile on his face is because he said that he developed feelings and over those two years, which may or not be true. And I've got, you know, the directorate scar says that's just still part of the scam. But I got to figure that over two years, when you get to know somebody, you know them really well. And, mm -hmm. and even if a little bit of light and love could have overshadowed his horrible life, <laughs> then have at it. Mm -hmm. But I was just thinking that, you know what, he wanted to keep it going because I said, I couldn't, obviously, mm -hmm. but he, he, he was a friend now. I mean, I got to know him really well, or I thought I got to know him. And I'm thinking too, that there's part of his story, which has got to be true because you can't lie for two years and have all of it a lie. Right. Some of it's got to be true. And at that point, I'm, I'm like, okay, so how can I keep this going and get him caught, but not let him know that I'm doing that? And so I played along for a little while, even though inside I, I was dying. I was just devastated financially. And, and when he said, can we keep this going? And I'm like, are you out of your 
in mind. And he said, is it because I'm young and black? And I'm like, well, maybe, but no, it's because (laughs) you lied for two years Mm -hmm. and you stole over a million dollars from me. And I know that there's this, usually this air suck (laughs) when people hear the dollar amount. I didn't have a million dollars in the bank. I found it because he was family. I sold jewelry. I sold investments on my retirement accounts. You know, I I got rid of my retirement accounts because he always promised he'd pay me back quickly because I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get penalties on this stuff. You got to pay me back within 90 days, 180 days, whatever the the limit was. I knew it then. I have conveniently forgotten. And he goes, I promise, I promise, I promise. Well, at that point, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. And so I, I discon- disconnected on that conversation and I called my mother and dad. And the reason I called them, they, they kind of knew it was gone on. They never knew I'd sent that much money, but I did ask them to help me on one final payment mm-hmm. because we were so close. At least I thought we were, we were getting the money. And it was just about coming over and I needed a hundred thousand dollars and I didn't have it. I couldn't come up with it. So I called my parents and my father, who's retired dentist was a little reluctant at first. Cause I said, dad, don't tell mom. He goes, Nope, I've been married for 55, 60 years. I will tell your mother. And <laughs> I kind of love that answer to be honest. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so they went ahead with it because they figured for two years, you couldn't possibly be a scammer for two years, maybe earlier on. Yeah, but not now. So, and I promise, we promised that we would pay them back with a really good interest as soon as he got home. And so I, I was devastated on their behalf and I, I didn't care. I can't say I didn't care about the money for me, but of all the money that I lost, that was the money that hurt the most because they trusted me. I'm their only daughter. And I felt so responsible and had for tab for 10 years. I, I was able to actually, I, I've remarried. That's the happy part. But my husband and I were able to buy a home for my mom and dad. And I finally felt like I had completely paid them back, even though I've done it probably 10 times over because yeah. my, my father yeah. works for me and I take care of most of their expenses. But my heart just was so heavy that I had brought them in and scammers do that. They try to get you to get your friends involved, you know, find the money somewhere, ask your friends, ask your family, ask some, go to the bank. I have women who have, who have mortgaged their homes. They've taken loans out. They've just, and when the scam happens to them, they lose their home, they lose their retirements, they lose their friends, they lose their family. They're so depressed and many have lost their lives because they don't know where to go. And that's the, that's the horrendous part about this, especially for the older women. They may be on a fixed income at that point because they've retired and they had money. Mm-hmm. But when the scammer takes everything that they have, they see no hope for the future. They seem, they're so embarrassed. They're so afraid because now he's got their address, even though he's in sitting in over in Nigeria or somewhere across the pond. He's coward. He'll never get here. They don't know that. And they're afraid. They're afraid for of everything. They're afraid of their shadow. And that's the hard part about this whole uh, relationship fraud is that it really hurts you from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And that's a violation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, exactly. And then there, you talk a lot about the shame that comes with all of that. Like how long did it take you to be able to feel comfortable to share what had happened to you? Quite a while, actually, except I, I don't know how I did this, but I started dating within months. Really? Uh, and yes, back online, <laughs> back online, but I always, saw online. Them. I, I always saw them in person and the guys are like, eh. uh, yeah. 
but I did meet the, the gentleman that I that I married. Uh, I met him through friends, and one of the friends was a matchmaker. And she had done her due diligence, and he just lived down the road. So it, that was really fun. On our third, I guess it was our second date, he told me something very vulnerable about him. And I'm thinking, okay, so here's the time for me to tell you what happened to me. Uh -huh. And I let it out on our second date. I think we were sitting at Denny's for breakfast at dinner. <laughs> and hours later, it all came out. And I'm like, if you can understand what I went through, and thank you for telling me what happened to you, because you're the first man in two years that has told me the truth. Wow. I said, I think this is, this is pretty fun. And I never dated anybody after that. That's and your husband? Three years later, we were married and we've been oh. together almost seven years. So it was, it was extraordinary, but for me, I still hit it for a while. It was probably, this happened in 2012, about 2015 is when I started writing the book. And the reason for the book is I was sitting at a women's business meeting in Fort Lauderdale with good friends. And at lunchtime, one of them mentioned online dating, and she still tells me that I must've rolled my eyes at her and she goes, okay, <laughs> give what's that? And I told her the story and she said, Deb, you have to tell. And I'm like, mm -mm, not going to tell. I can't tell. I'm so embarrassed. You know, I'm too smart, too talented, too yeah. trained. And she said, my mom was taken for 80,000. And then someone else came up and said they were in a Ponzi scheme twice. And then another one, another, another. And I had all these women coming up saying, you know, we've been taken, we've been taken, but nobody spoke up. And over that weekend, I crafted a close to a talk where I invited everyone to the world premiere of the Woman Behind the Smile movie. And the room was dead silent. And I said, when can we get tickets? I said, I just made that up. I just oh, made the whole no. thing up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You got to write your book. And that, that got me uh, introduced to a gentleman, actually, who was the executive producer for the Larry King show. And he lives oh, down here. Wow. We became friends. And he said, oh, my gosh, I got to get you with someone. And so within days of, of meeting him, he had, he had me talking to a screenwriter in California. And the first thing the guy wanted to know was, so what happened when you met him, when you saw him, when you found him? I said, right. well, that was one of my questions. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't right. find him. And I wasn't, because the only way that I was going to find him is if I went to Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And even after the FBI said, there's nothing they could do because he's over there. I'm thinking, this is done. This is a done deal. I'll never get my money back. I'll never do any about the, anything about this. And uh, the guy goes, well, I can't take you onto the Oprah show. And when she asked you, how, to, how was it when you saw him in person? You went, I didn't. She goes, there's no story there. I'm like, you're not seeing the picture here. Yeah, so, right. there's a big story there. <laughs> there's a big story, but it kind of went away. But after that was really interesting. There was a, a, a local, I was on a board of a nonprofit here and I was at a meeting and we were planning something. And one of the girls, I had my book with me and one of the girls was a reporter for the Palm Beach Post. And she said, we're going to do something. I said, fine. They came out with a three page, three pages <laughs> of a weekend newspaper three pages on me in the local section like front wow. page I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> well that's when I learned don't read what this what the riffraff is saying at the bottom you know when on the online stuff all the yeah, bottom feeders and message the boards. oh yeah. my gosh my girlfriends called up and said don't you dare read that don't you'll never <laughs> speak again and I didn't and I called the report and she said we're going to get some of that off she said but here's the trick don't read what they say because you're not yeah. talking to them 
Mm-hmm. And that was the best thing that anybody could have ever told me because since then I have spoken out a lot. And when I first came out, I think what happened, there was this switch in me when I realized that the story's not about me anymore. Yeah. Right. The story's about so-and-so's mother, sister, all these other people. And I said, yes, I was terribly embarrassed, but it happened. And a woman that interviewed me once said it happened for a reason. She goes, if you believe in God, he let this happen because he knew you would speak up at some mm-hmm. point you would speak up about what happened. And I'm like, you know what? That's right. I, I never wanted what, as soon as the FBI said that I was manipulated and a victim, I'm like, ah, nope. Changing the not, narrative. Yeah. Uh, I did not want to have that label. Uh, I'd been someone's mom, daughter, wife, all those things, but mm-hmm. I did not want to be labeled the victim. And I, I wasn't going to read the bottom feeder stuff. I wasn't going to look at those women that were giving me the stink eye. For me, it was more important to be there to either try to, I hate the word try, to strive to protect someone from this happening to them mm-hmm. or to be there to help them recover afterwards. Because if you can't stop them within the first couple of weeks, they're sucked into the story and then they're going to be broken, broken at some point, mm-hmm. And that's when we pick them up. Mm. hard to do that I would rather them hear the story beforehand and because there's nothing breaks my heart more than I I get an email from someone who said I wish I had heard your story before yeah so thank you I'm thanking you guys for helping me get the word out because of course it happens to our mothers our sisters our friends all ages all colors all religion men and women every age is happening to them and with the pandemic the numbers have skyrocketed i'm sure yeah around the world and it's really sad it's sad that's Uh what i'm so curious about like since you are on the other end of this and and you help people through this on their end as well is there like a process that you've noticed like repetition of how these scammers work people like words that they use to coerce them or like a step-by-step I wouldn't use the word coerce. It's Mm. total manipulation. Mm. And it's, it's something they're very good at. Like I said, if, if they could do something for good, they'd be phenomenal. Mm. If you read my story and just change the names, change where they're at, uh, they have playbooks. They actually sell playbooks on how they do this. And the things that they say, the, the poems that get written, I mean, Google a poem. I did actually. And couple of them did show up but one of them one of them didn't uh but I remember he sent music to me and I would sit here for hours listening to these great songs and I think I still have them on my desktop and I need to just get rid of them because they're part of the past even though they're great stories but I'm like oh I don't want to have those feelings yeah yeah Uh, but yes they 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 say very similar things and if you get anybody well first off the pictures realize that the pictures you are seeing on Facebook on any social media they could all be, they could all be, uh, you know, hijacked their, their impersonations. Mm-hmm. So many of them are impersonations. If they say they're a widower, careful. If they say they're single and they're in their fifties, careful. If they say they're on an oil rig or the ones that gripe me the most are the ones that come across as being military. I'm former air force. I have kids on active duty in the army and the Marine Corps. And my, my nephew's in the Navy. These guys that come across as military members in Syria, in Iraq, it, we're asking for money to get sent home. That's total BS. Mm-hmm. And anybody that knows the military knows that. The problem is most of the people that are being, uh, 
you know, contacted by these guys have had no military experience, had no idea that the military would never allow you to be over there and not pay for you to get home. You know, mm-hmm. they are banking and, and they're going to the bank actually with the military pictures for women in, in uh, the Far East, the Philippines, Malaysia, the ones that see an American in a uniform and say, oh, he's trustworthy. I can get out of my country here and I can go to the United States. Wow. You know, I get, I get many that'll say, well, this guy says he's working for the UN. He's a doctor working for the UN and he's over there and he can't get home and he needs money for his son, blah, blah, blah. It's all a bunch of lies. Okay. Don't believe any of it. And, uh, and don't believe it before you, I, when you look at the pictures, if the pictures look too good, scammer. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> do wow. a reverse search if you can. They've gotten really good. That uh, that doesn't always work, yeah. but especially if they're military, find somebody who knows a military uniform. Many times you can actually see the name tag, and it doesn't mm-hmm. match the name on the profile. And I'm like, wow. oh my gosh, guys, they're not even trying. <laughs> yeah, and no, on the flip side of it, too. yeah, yeah, and on the flip side of it too, you said that they will look for people that have the widowed too like that's yes. the other flip side of it is that they do kind of prey on status and emotions they, of people they do and on the dating sites there's no reason you should have that you're a widow or a divorcee on a dating site you should be single right right <laughs> but i just i just read a google article today i don't remember who who wrote it but they're talking about tinder swindler and they're saying that most people like 60 percent of people on tinder are married or in a relationship they're just looking around and I I'm believe like, that seriously yep. wow I fully believe that yeah, yeah. so there's See, something wrong here oh uh, yeah that's crazy See, you came in on it um Debbie with um like when kind of the dating sites were first coming out and becoming a thing and yep. then Leanne you've been you've done online dating before because that's just mm-hmm. like your generation I missed it all mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're I, lucky I know, yeah. I know. I feel so lucky after conversations like this, for sure. But I mean, I just, I don't have that understanding or that awareness like, like y'all do of, of what's really out there. So I think it's really important. Well, and it's really blown up. My daughter's a single mom and mm-hmm. she's been doing the swiping yeah. and, right and all that. I'm like, Jenny, just be careful. Just be yeah. careful. And fortunately, you know, she knows what happened to me. So she is really careful. And so she'll call me up or my, one of my girlfriends is just recently separated and she'll call up and she goes, oh, this guy is wonderful. I'm like, okay, let me see. Mm-hmm. My guidance is have a dating buddy. Don't try to do this on your own because you just get hijacked. The emotions just take over. And then your logical brain is just outdoor and then forget it. You yeah. don't want to hear anybody telling you, no, no, no. Yeah. yeah. How did you gain your trust back when you were dating your, your current husband? When he sat down at dinner that night and said, Deb, my friends told me not to tell you this, but I'm going to. Mm-hmm. And he told me that he had been in recovery. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? And he's been so supportive of me because he knows the more I talk about it, it's like going into recovery. The mm-hmm. more you talk about it, the better you feel, the stronger you mm-hmm. get from the inside out. And he's been my number one supporter. And I, I learned to trust him. Now, I'm not very trusting of others. Yeah, right. online. <laughs> uh, I'm very careful with my company and with business too. And I've learned too many of the shiny object syndromes where you think, oh, this is really good. And this is mm-hmm. true about anything that, that someone's trying to get you to buy. If there's this rush, rush, rush to, to do it, you got to take, like your grandmother's used to say, you know, sleep on it, take mm-hmm. a pause. And if it's still good tomorrow, then perhaps but the, the dating stuff, 
just be really careful. I, I like to say beware and be aware and do your due diligence, do your homework, because unless you want to, you know, unless you go out on the street and you, you give 10,000 to the guy that's sitting on the street, you yeah. don't want to be giving that money away, pay yourself first. Mm-hmm. And if anybody ever asks for money or Bitcoin or cell phones or anything, the answer is no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Right, right. What about being the voice for this has been difficult to navigate for you? It's really not difficult now. Once I started speaking about it and was recognized as the person that it happened to and realized that, okay, it can happen to anybody and it happened to me. So just like I said, don't read what they say because that can stop anybody from doing anything. (laughs) And when I decided to not put myself around the naysayers anymore, I've lost friends. I've lost friends about this. Yeah, because they don't understand why I found it important to speak up. They wanted you to be quiet about it. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't want me to say anything about it. They didn't want me to talk about what happened. Don't embarrass yourself. Like don't embarrass your family. I mean, when I owned up to my kids and my, my family, they were the most important to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When they realized that there was an important lesson in what happened here, that it can happen. If it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. Right. And and when I watch the Dr. Phil's of the world, I get what they're trying to do, but they're not helping the victim. When they out somebody like that, it makes the family feel really great. And the public's going, oh, that woman was really an idiot. Mm-hmm. Unless you're in it, you don't understand it. And mm-hmm. the, the women that get outed on those shows are leaving there, not, they're hearing it, you know, they're not believing it. They're not believing it in their heart. And the one gift to me was that day that I saw him online in person there when I saw his face because instantly I could put a face with a story and I had for me closure most of the women I deal with they were ghosted you know they lost all their money and all of a sudden this they called the scammer on that the scammer gets angry the scammer gets aggressive and then it's over and now they're left oh my gosh what have I done I ruined my life I ruined you know they're still hoping that that person will come back there's no closure there mm-hmm. and there's no answer to what happened for them and so if that had happened to me when when my to go back a little bit when Lou died he left here on a Wednesday and Thursday morning, he was dead. He died of a heart attack while he was traveling. I never saw him. So when this happened online, if he had just gone away, I would have felt like he had died. Mm -hmm. And now I was a million dollars out, you know, and I'd participated in it. So I would, I don't know how I would have gotten over that. Uh, So it was a blessing in disguise when he actually came online and confessed to me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's very rare. I only ever hear of being ghosted. It is very rare, uh, unless they get angry. And and here's the other thing about the they part of it. You have a guy that might be starting it, and he's the the romancer, and you know he's he does the beginning stuff. Then you have the guys that get into the ask and the money part, and then you get into the closers who keep things going. Or if if you run out of money, they turn you into a money mule, and that's the other side of the story too. Now is money mules, package mules, where they get you to not give your own money, but open your bank account up so that they can have people send you checks or they send you packages, and so now you become the middleman, and now you're complicit. Okay, that's really dangerous for for victims who become money mules. Um, And so it's just there's there's just this cycle and it doesn't stop. But if you 
call them on it, and this is where it's going, if you call them on it, then they get aggressive. And then they start using these techniques where, you know, if you've sent pictures, which more of the younger women do this than yeah. the older ones, they send naked pictures. Well, now they're going to say, well, I'm going to show everybody your pictures. Leverage. I, yeah. I was just reading a story about that where it goes, you know, from this relationship fraud to extortion because now they're holding that over you. And that is a crime. I, I read an article about, you know, can relationship scammers be charged in South Africa? And it turns out that if they do that, then it's more of an extortion thing because they're holding that against you. Mm -hmm. So it is a crime. These guys are criminals. They are organized crime because it's, it's a multi-billion dollar organization around the world mm -hmm. and they're they don't need a million dollars from one person they need 250 dollars from a million people mm -hmm. and they get it they get it from everybody because everybody at some point is willing to do something and it may not be for love it might be a purse that you want to buy or maybe something small uh, that you don't want to report but we've all been taken because of something mm -hmm. yeah so no. what was your first step, I guess, um, once you saw him and you're like, oh my gosh, this, you know, I have, did you go to the police? I mean, how did, what has that whole process been like for you? Because I, I know did. you had to just call it a wash. <laughs> no, and, and actually we encourage people to report as soon as possible. And it's a process. You cannot go into a police department with your hair on fire because they're just going to think you're some lunatic person. Right. You got to go in and uh, in scars and our, the, it's again, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. We have a website called romancescamsnow.com. We have a three-step process for victims. And the first thing is totally disconnect from whoever this person was. You do not want to keep it going like I did thinking that I was going to catch them. You are not going to be yeah. able to catch them. The next thing is report it and have your facts. They don't care about the emotions. They want to know where did it happen? How did it happen? How much money gets sent? Where did the money go? If you yeah. accepted packages, here's the thing. If you, if you bid a mule, if you've accepted packages, you've accepted checks or something, you got to report that to your bank. Be proactive because if they come at you, they're now arresting 80-year-old women for being money mules. One lady down in Louisiana, was they were going to put her in, in jail uh, because she kept doing it after they said, stop, this is a scam. Oh. So you, you got to be really, really careful. Yeah. Um, so it's just a matter of... of report because you also like in state of florida you may be able to get victims assistance for rent or for therapy something that you may not be able to afford because you've given it all up um yeah. so you've got to just eat your ego on this one and say you walk into a police department and say i just want a written report number you don't they don't have to believe you they can't do anything they cannot get your money back the local mm -hmm. cops fbi probably cannot get your money back uh, report it to ic3.gov, report to anyscam.org. There are places to report. The FTC is a really good place to report it now, the ftc.gov. Um, and so it, it's important to get it out there, not that you're going to get anything back, but because the numbers, we have to build up the numbers of, of credible victims so that government will finally take, advan take, take notice, yeah. you know, unless... Zuckerberg's mother or Amanda Ginsburg from Match or someone, you know, high up, unless their mother gets taken, this is not going to be a big issue for, mm -hmm. for social media because they don't understand it because the victims don't speak up. Mm -hmm. If one out of 100 people reports, and this is billions of dollars, imagine what the real number is. Mm -hmm. Right. But people are too afraid. 
to speak up. Mm -hmm. We need to help our law enforcement understand there's got to be victim advocates in each law enforcement office that as in domestic violence years ago, you know, if you walked in with a black eye 50 years ago, they'd say, go home and be nice to your husband. Mm -hmm. You walk in today, they go and arrest the guy immediately. There's got to mm -hmm. be someone there that understands what's happening here and can just help the victim through it and realize that help them realize they're probably not going to get their money back because that's rare especially with the bitcoin transactions now poof gone you know gone. money's gone uh wire transfers why didn't the bank say something to me i mean i had been a banker i knew my way around banking which was probably my downfall because i knew to yeah. switch to other bankers yeah. but if the bank had done a fraud investigation or just a look at my accounts when i'm doing a wire I hadn't done a wire for 50 years. And then all of a sudden for two years, I'm doing 25,000, 50,000, $100,000 wires. Yeah. Wasn't well, that a red flag to somebody? Yeah, right. So there's, there's a, you know, a line between protecting their privacy and protecting your money. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I hope over time that it's getting better. I, I actually realized that Fidelity, for, I just use them uh, as mm -hmm. an example. I, I met one of their reps and he said, Deb, enough of our clients had been taken that we actually have a trusted contact that has to be filled in on the, if you're opening up a new financial account, you have to designate somebody as a, as a trusted contact. And if the reps think that there's some sort of scam or fraud going on, they are allowed to go to that trusted contact who could be a spouse, it could be a child, it could be whatever. Uh, now, I wouldn't have liked that if they had gone to my right, kids. Right. But I've heard of people who have gone to a trusted contact and they were able to thwart the fraud. The client was really ticked off, but they yeah. saved hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. It's a safeguard so, for a little bit of annoyance, I guess, or what could yeah. be annoyance. Yeah. And if you decide to keep, you know, to walk away from your financial institution and keep doing it anyway, well, it's your choice at that point. Yeah, yeah right. Right. exactly. We can only warn you. We can't stop you, but we <laughs> yeah. can warn you. But Do you know I'm, of any statistics or, or like how often this is actually happening to people? I want to say like every second around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, the numbers are on romancescamsnow.com. I don't have them in front of me. Oh, they I, are? I, okay. I they, they change mi every minute, you know. Uh, I do know that it's, it's like one in, one in 10 that reports. Um, but I can wow. probably, oh, no, 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 that's all, no worries. No, no. I was just wondering. Okay. Cause I mean, it's, it's huge. Yeah, it's it's yeah. much bigger than we ever think because people mm -hmm. aren't talking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was shocked too, to find that like a lot of the time people think that it's just happening to women, but the amount of scams that men, like that was so shocking. Cause I, I was, as I was reading your book and I even had the thought, like, is this happening to men? <laughs> like what is happening here? You know? And then as I read on, Yes, it is. And they're actually well, a bigger percentage of the people being taken. And when I've I watched 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> I know how that goes. Never seen that. But when I went into the FBI, they said, Deb, there are more men in Palm Beach County that get taken for over a million than women, yeah. but they'll never talk. Right. And that's because yeah. they're businessmen and they don't want anybody to know that they did it. Mm -hmm. They're angry because they'd gone into it thinking they were going to help this woman. And now they don't know if it was a man or a woman that scammed them. And it's the mm. shame keeping everybody quiet too. That's the sad part. And it Absolutely. kind of does. I mean, I've had my own shame in, in my own life and it, it does hold you hostage and kind of keeps you paralyzed and quiet until 
the last thing you want to do is share, you know, what happened, but, but it does free you from, from the binds of it. It does. And the first time that you tell it, you don't have to tell everybody everything. And we tell our our victims who I like to call survivors. We try to, we encourage them to find somebody they trust. If it's not their friends and their kids yet, at some point, you're going to have to tell your family. You don't have to tell them how much you lost, Mm -hmm. but you just have have to say, Hey, you know, I'm in a situation now where I, for me, (laughs) my kids didn't, I didn't want to have to go live with them. Fortunately, I didn't lose my house, but many victims have lost their homes. They need to know that they can go somewhere that someone will be willing to take them in and just say, I get it, you mm-hmm. know, but usually they're angry from a banker's point of view. I mean, the worst customers I had were my customers, kids who thought that they now had no inheritance. And I'm thinking, you know what, you're not entitled to your mother's inheritance. Wow. Yeah. Right. What a reaction. <laughs> and, and scamming, Ashley, I I'd seen a, a report that 60% of fraud happens by family members. <laughs> Two no, other family like, members? Don't oh, think about that. Think about that. That's true. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Or caregivers. The other, the other thing, especially down here in South Florida is we have a lot of caregivers and family members are not local. And one of my friends, I guess it was her great aunt turned out she had been cleaned out by her caregiver who had was in cahoots with a neighbor. And he set up an online banking account using her credentials, which got from the caregiver. But here's one thing we try to tell our folks is make sure if you've got banking and online banking access, open up the online banking yourself. Because otherwise, it's an account that's sitting there that has no online banking presence, and a scammer can get your credentials and go and wipe you out. Check your savings accounts. Here's the thing. Most people look at their checking accounts. They don't look at their Mm -hmm. savings accounts. Right. Look at your checking account or your savings mm-hmm. accounts because they can funnel money. Mm-hmm. They can get money out of savings accounts. And uh, it's, there's just so many protections that we, we aren't even thinking about. I had a, had a friend who called up and she said, hey, I know what happened to you. You need to help me. My next door neighbor just called me and said she wants me to help her take a picture of her credit card so she can send it to her friend. Even I know that one. Yeah. I was like, don't, but you, this is an 80 year old lady. That's I was right. Like, no, don't, don't you go over there and stop her right now. By the time she got there, she didn't have to take a picture. She told the guy the numbers. Yep. And then when she called the credit card company, my friend wasn't, wasn't a family member. And the credit card company's like, you can't call us and tell us to put a flag on that. The old lady has to. Well, the old lady didn't think it was fraud. Exactly. So it's the scammers, they're laughing the way to the bank because mm-hmm. they totally. got it. Yeah, they got it. And essentially because there's so much information that they have before they even get to the target, you know, that they can, they can hone in on a certain demographic or, or certain things like that. It's just, it's absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. And watch what you put out on your social media. Everybody yeah. thinks that, oh, we've got, we have all these friends. Well, you only have about 20 friends on Facebook that are watching what you're doing. You don't need, I, I've interviewed young kids who think, well, I need 20,000 followers. I'm like, no, you don't. Cause about 19,000 of those are scammers. Mm. So you don't need to put out that you're where you're living or your age or your, you know, marital status, because you don't need to, that's not the presence, you know, lock down your privacy, lock down your pictures. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who share pictures of their kids. Well, guess what? My scammer had his family. Where'd those pictures come from? Mm-hmm. They got hijacked off of someone's social media profile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't put pictures of my grandkids on 
site. And I actually got blasted by my by my kids one time that I tried. They're like, Mom, that's not your business putting our kids pictures up there then i've I said, had that guys, conversation too wow <laughs> hurt your yeah. feelings you know yeah. i just want to show you know. everybody they're like and it's, i know it's now one thing I, to be prideful of that but it is it's a privacy it's, it's a privacy concern for sure mm-hmm. and i worry about our teenagers you know taking the scam down to another level the, the girls around here boys too but i'll talk to the girls they're 13 to 18, they're playing lacrosse at the local high school at three o'clock. And this is what I look like. Aren't I pretty? Well, that's all over online. Mm-hmm. Traffickers, predators know exactly what those girls look like and where they're going to be. And mm-hmm. poof, they're gone. Oh, that's you know? terrifying. The other thing about the young women is that they don't have the money, but they have access to their parents' credit cards. Think about that. They could be buying iTunes cards. Mom mm-hmm. and dad probably won't pay attention you know, unless it's big amounts of money, but they're looking for love. They want a friend. And if they can help their friend by getting them a new phone or by buying an iTunes card, they'll do it. We got lots yeah. of rich kids around here. You know, they can do that. So yeah. it's a vicious uh, circle, unfortunately. I guess so. I, I, I can only imagine some of the other conversations that took place for you when you were um, going through this. Is there any, I'm just curious that stand out to you of conversations that really had an impact for you when you were going through this I mean after the after the event or during both is is there moments where you're like okay I know I'm going to get to the other side of this because of these conversations that I've had I think when I realized that I wasn't alone and thank goodness for my parents support from the very beginning the hardest thing for me was to to tell the kids and actually my oldest son who is military pilot just he he heard a recording uh, i had been on a radio show and i'd sent the recording to my daughter-in-law and she was listening to it and i hadn't told my son yet and he heard a part of the recording oh, oh no my gosh he came unglued and so he skyped me and if you could come through the screen on a computer he would have done it <laughs> and uh and i realized at that point i it changed our relationship, but it changed it for the good because he was the one that got the call about his dad dying. He was Mm -hmm. 23 at the time. And Mm -hmm. at that point he had taken on the mantle of protector, mom's protector. And when I didn't tell him what was going on, he thought I didn't trust him. Maybe I didn't, but I didn't, I didn't want him to take on this responsibility because he had nothing to do with it. He had tried to warn me and I just like, you know what? I, I'm not going to lose the, the house over my head. I'm not coming to live with you. I don't need your money. Uh, unfortunately, he was coming up for a security clearance background check. And mm-hmm. I said, hey, I've had those. I went to the FBI. It's not like I paid a million dollars to a Nigerian national and did it willingly and knowingly. I did not. I've recorded it. I've reported it. It's nothing for you to worry about. Let it go. Mm-hmm. And when I assured him that the, of those things, he's like, okay, he goes, can we talk if something comes up like this again? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Keep me in the loop. Wow. Yeah. So we've had, it, it changed just for the good. Uh, and honestly, for everybody that I've talked to since, it really opened up our relationship. And the people that didn't want to hear it or didn't understand it, that kind of poo-pooed me. Because a lot of those people I had given money to as friends and didn't get really? it back. And I'm thinking... I cannot be willingly giving money to anybody anymore, mm-hmm. um, just except for myself and, you know, yeah, my yeah. immediate family, but I can't do that anymore. And that was tough because I felt like I've, I've always been willing and able to give and I don't do that now. Yeah. 
I am very careful with who I give to um, because especially those of us that give money to family or friends, it's a gift at that point. Unless you have it in writing, don't expect to get it back, even though you're assured that it will come back. Some friends I've lost because it never came back. And I think if you don't pay up, you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And that separates you from, from folks. So yeah. the money situation, if somebody asks you for money, my, my get down and dirty talk now is nope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's nope. what my dad has always kind of driven get home for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can figure it out. Absolutely. Get a, get job. a job. Get a job. Get a job. Get a job. Did you start the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams? No, that was started by Dr. Tim McGinnis. Tim's out of Miami. And uh, I came in probably as one of the more vocal. Uh, and it's, it's very difficult because, again, it's a volunteer organization. It's a volunteer support organization. Probably we have the encyclopedia of scams on romancescamsnow.com. Everything you want to know about any kind of scam is going to be on there. Uh, Tim, I, I do have, uh, I host a podcast called Stand Up and Speak Up, and it's live, not, not video. Here's interesting. My one of my very first guests was a retired army colonel whose picture had been stolen and used by thousands of profilers for thousands. thousands. Must have been a handsome dude. He was. <laughs> and he's retired now. And uh, he was actually on the Mel Robbins show with me. That's where I met him in person. Oh, but okay. when I went to interview him, it was the very first time I was going to do a Zoom because normally I do a radio type show. And he said, Deb, I won't be on your show. I said, why? He said, because scammers can change what I say. I'm thinking, wow. oh my gosh, they can. Artificial intelligence is really quite good. And they can make it look like uh, he's saying something that he wasn't really saying. And if you think about this, those of us that have been Netflix bingers for the last two years, we watch a lot of shows that are filmed in Spain and Finland and you know around the world. And we hear English and our eyes are seeing their mouths go thinking they're speaking in English, but they're not. They're speaking in Spanish and French and all this, but our brains are incredible things. They mm -hmm. see what they want to see. Mm -hmm. And the scammers can, can do the same thing. Because I have people that say, well, I talked to them. I saw them. I saw Instagram pictures or Instagram videos. Mm -mm. They've manipulated it. And so that's why my show is, is uh, audio only. But Dr. Tim is my sidekick. He goes, okay, so you're, uh, uh, oh, shoot, having brain cramp. Johnny Carson. And he's Johnny Carson's sidekick. Uh -huh. uh, and we're doing a show this week on it's kind of a quarterly uptake or recap of, of the, the scams that are going on. Uh, so it's it's been very empowering for me. I, I really get a joy when I have a, a call with a survivor who, because she either read the book or she's seen the Zoom calls or the support calls or whatever that we do, she's really gotten over the, um, the victim point mm -hmm. and says I can recover I can do things we just have to change our expectations in life and every business owner that has ever made a lot of money has always been on the bottom everybody has failed from Warren Buffett to you know the Jeff Bezos everybody has hit rock bottom it's what you do with it mm -hmm. and if you just succumb to why me poor pity me you're never going to recover. And it doesn't matter if you were a romance scam or you got, you know, just made a poor business decision. You're never going to recover if you have that mindset. So it's, it's changed the mindset and realize that we're here for our experiences and the experiences I've had have been priceless, even though they've cost a lot of money, um, <laughs> but they have been. And I, and I'm, 
I like this one too. My last suit has no pockets. I can't take any of that money with me, but the experiences that I've had and the people that I've been able to support uh, personally, it's, it's worth every penny that I lost. Mm. Although I'd like to have some of it back in the bank. Right, right, right. <laughs> right, right. What a testimony to closure too, that you have yeah. of just being able to navigate worst case scenario and come out even better for it and find love again and recoup mm-hmm. your finances and live your life. I mean, uh, that that's amazing. Like, kudos I work to at you. it. Yeah, Thanks. it shows. It shows. It's it really it's does. a work in progress every single day. It's it's a mindset change. And what's interesting to me is when I have guests on Thursday, everybody's had a story. It's called stand up and speak up. Everybody's had a story in their life where they've had something happen and they've been afraid to speak about it. But once they talk about it, they get so I call it getting ginned up, and I don't drink, but it's I get ginned up. But when you realize that there's someone out there that's going through the same thing, and they just need to know they're not alone, they just have to have a hand to hold. And if I can do that for one person, then opening up on this whole story has been totally worth it. And I've fortunately been able to be there for more than one person. And I will continue to do it until social media or the government or somebody really takes this seriously and i've got to say you girls that are living in in texas that i was in texas in november for a court case one of our survivors had uh had they had rounded up one of the scammers he he actually confessed he was having a sentencing hearing up in plano i flew out there to visit my daughter but also to support my friend it was the first time i've gone to court and we actually saw the scammer and it was frightening for, for her and a little bit scary for me. I'm thinking, okay, who is this guy? Well, it turns out he's probably 20 or 30 years old. Got, he's a father of a small child. He's from Nigeria, came to the United States, married an American, got, that got dissolved. ICE was sitting there waiting in case that he got out on the Whoa. court thing. They were going to pick him up and deport him. Um, but there were 80 plus victims and they were mostly all over 60 years old. That is a federal crime against the elderly. Mm -hmm. And my friend was there to give a victim impact statement. She was one of 11 victims willing to speak, but only one showed up and it was her. Oh my God. And she did it, she said, because I was there to Mm. hold her hand. Oh, I just got chills. It was wonderful. And when we saw the guy come in and he was in an orange jumpsuit with handcuffs, we're like, yes, you know, not one of them. But that's where I realized the FBI could make a difference because the evidence that they presented was so thorough they had accumulated you know financial forensics had done banking uh transactions they had you know the zoom video the little zoom outside your door this guy oh, had, yeah, had the ring the ring that's what i meant mm-hmm. the ring um this guy had had his neighbor's house set up where packages were being delivered there and he would go intercept before the neighbor got home well, he, he didn't get all of them. And so the FBI was able to get the ring video of him going and talking to his neighbor, asking for these packages. And she's like, well, why are you doing this? You know, or he took videos of himself counting cash because victims had sent money to him. And then that money had to be counted and then sent on to the, to the next scammer. Oh. So he had to take videos counting, showing he got the cash. I'm like, what an idiot. Yeah, but so incriminating. Oh my unbelievable. Gosh. They're not thinking beyond, you know, beyond their nose. But yeah. what they do is they, they funnel it into organizations in Texas. It was an automobile um, shipping thing where they would take all this cash and they would buy 
cars and they would ship the cars to Nigeria. Now they've wow. successfully laundered money. The cars get to Nigeria, they get sold over there and the cash goes in the bank. It's brilliant. Oh, you know? oh my God. So these well, I guys- I trust no one. I know. <laughs> no one. Because think about your emails that you get from yeah. Bank of America or Chase, you know, your account's been right. compromised or check this out. Don't ever click a link on something oh. like that. Go to the website directly because there's a way that they're, we're going to, we're going to do something because we're not paying attention. Right. Mm -hmm. We're going to click because we're not paying attention. Don't do that. And mm -hmm. we think we're too smart, but we're like, click, click, click. I mean, I, I am very careful, but I notice every now and then I'm like, oh gosh, why did I do that? Yeah, we're too comfortable with our phones now. It's just another part of us. It's easy to get sucked in. Exactly. And they, they're texting all the time. And my mom and dad, who obviously know what's going on, you know, they'll get a call from where they used to live on the west coast of Tampa. Mm -hmm. Has the same area code and everything. And mom's like, well, maybe that's my girlfriend. She's trying to get a hold of me. I say, mom, if it's somebody that needs to call you, they'll leave a message. Mm -hmm. Don't yeah. answer that unavailable or don't answer that call from from Tampa because you think I said don't you know my father-in-law uh, before he passed away used to send checks to every organization that sent him a letter oh my god the kids in the reservation or this and that and we're like you don't know that these are not scams mm -hmm. you know just don't do you ever feel like burdened by caution after all this has happened to you good question uh no i think i have a healthy healthy but there are a lot of people that are because uh, i would be i, yeah. I think that i would be i i give to church you know mm -hmm. something that i trust um mm -hmm. i don't give to just everybody i mean mm -hmm. if there are kids in the neighborhood sure i'd rather write them a check than get their magazine or candy or something but the yeah. guys that come knocking on my door Nope. I'm sorry. I can't help you today. And usually I'm on a, I'm on a call. I'm on a business meeting. Yeah. Just wave them away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, contractors, if they're not legit, you know, don't give, don't give money to anybody if you haven't really done a good check on them. Cause okay. down here too, that, that happened a lot more years ago where they would come and say, I'm going to fix your pool screen or something. And you give them a deposit and they never show up. Yeah. They're gone. So one of my clients, um, he was having work done in his house and it was a husband and wife that were doing the work and the wife couldn't come the second day. So the husband was like, you can just make the check out to me, but he had already written it out to the company because he had this weird feeling and, and he, he followed his gut and he was spot on that, that, you know, this guy might be doing some, some sneaky stuff. So yeah, just, Anybody. Do, do, just be careful, just be aware and be aware of these things happen. They happen every day. And it's, it's that moment when we're just feeling like it's not going to happen to us, that it happens. That it does. I'm or, staying or, in the woods, y'all. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> staying at home. <laughs> so funny. I do have one more kind of silly question because I noticed when you were having the communications um, with this gentleman and things like, I hope, and I, I just want to know, did he ruin poetry for you? <laughs> No, and I actually Good. write a lot. I, I can I, tell. I have a magazine now, and I actually just got my first paid gig the other day. I, I usually I write for Positive Tribe, which is a, an online magazine, uh, and I, I've written a couple of books now. Um, I love to write. I don't necessarily write poetry. I do like to listen to it. It hasn't stopped me from listening to songs, except for the Good. three that are... Yeah. 
that are on my screensaver. I'm gonna. So get we rid gotta of them. get out of there. Yeah, gotta get rid of them. Um, but that's something that we tell the victims too: is like make sure that you get rid of all that stuff. You know, mm -hmm. make a copy of it in case you need it for evidence for a court case, which is rare, but you never know. But then yeah. stop looking at it. Don't look at the things. I mean, the one trigger I had was I was actually interviewed by National Geographic for the show Trafficked. They Ooh, did a romance yeah. uh, season two. I think it was episode two. They were here for a while and they had me sitting down at my computer and also opening up one of the books and had me like going line by line. It was really good. Good video. Yeah. But as I was reading it, there was a trigger there looking I looking bet. at the words that had been said and I'm thinking I don't need to be doing this you Good know and, and the kids probably won't either and we'll donate it to a library of something someday uh, mm -hmm. but just put it behind you when you when you have when it has been revealed that it's a scam write it down put it in you know in your history but that's not you don't define yourself by what's happened mm. it's your past mm -hmm. and if you let it hold on to your present and your future then you're never going to get over it and everybody can get over it. I have a lot of women that just can't get past the money aspect of it, but there's a way you have to reset your expectations and realize that maybe you can't have that housekeeper. Maybe you can't have that million dollar house, but maybe you can have an apartment. Maybe you can keep living. You know, I've realized over the years that the greatest thing is your health, mm -hmm. your health and your time. It's not the stuff. And I've, I've had so many, friends and and business associates that have lost family because of stuff mm -hmm. it's not worth it you know don't here's the other thing is please don't blame victims for things that have happened to them they don't need anybody more than themselves blaming them because <laughs> yes. we blame ourselves enough there's no there's no glory in victim shaming victim blaming uh everybody has done something and we typically don't talk about it the victims that are strong enough to say something, they want your support. Mm -hmm. They know you can't help them money-wise necessarily, but you can at least hold their hand. And they just want to know that they're not in this by themselves. Would you say to the people who are victims, but maybe haven't come to terms fully with that, that they have been scammed, like, is there a very fine line between blaming and giving them awareness of their part? in the situation yeah there's a there's a fine line and you've, we've got to be careful and and i'm more of the heart side of the tim and debbie show oh. <laughs> he's, he's an anthropologist and he's pretty you know because yeah. he's heard it for 15 years uh <laughs> there is a fine line and it we have to acknowledge that we're responsible we're responsible for that first hello mm. and then after that it's manipulation so be careful you yeah. don't need the friend request don't if you don't know somebody even women's groups this has happened to some of my friends women's groups where they'll get in through a mutual friend they get themselves into these organizations because one person has clicked yes on a friend request i get this all the time i i get requests from men typically that i have no who no idea who they are but they have a mutual friend of mine or two or three or four mm -hmm. and i know that these women are not really their friends but they probably got busy and just said oh yeah i'm growing a business i'll just accept that friend request right don't do that because once the scammer gets in there could even could be a woman picture a woman's picture right but just you don't have to have all these friends because they're right. not your friends if you don't know them if you haven't met them in person i mean yeah i've got a public profile for the woman behind the smile but my personal one mm, i don't want a lot of people knowing what i'm doing or who, who's right. around you know, be, be really, really careful and diligent on 
what you put out there. And even the little games that are played, I've got friends that play, you know, the, those 25 questions on Facebook and you answer yes or no to all those things. You know how many passwords come out of those things? Right. Oh, ever wow. thought about that? You're giving wow. all that information out there. So scammer says, oh, I've got this one. I bet, you know, she grew up in this town. Yeah, I wonder wow. if that's the out. or the cat's name or something, something we would never think about, but they're not us. They don't think like us. Yeah. They think so differently. But that's where we get caught because they, they, they know how we think. They know how our passwords work and, uh, you know, they, they can hack into almost anything. So just just be careful. And, uh, and it's important to be aware. And I, yeah. I don't want to scare anybody. I just want no, you to- No, I'm going to delete my Facebook. I'm excited. I've been looking for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> this is it, Debbie. Thank you. <laughs> take a break. At least take a break for the holidays. That's right. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, I, I, I come from a line of my, my, I have a sibling and a parent who are fraud investigators. So I'm oh, used to this world. Great. And I have family crisis with the people close to you doing that. So like, I totally- understand this world and how complex and convoluted it can be and and just thank you i'm from really from, from my soul thank you for coming and being so honest and talking to us about it it's it's a topic that we do need to talk about and and thank you for continuing to have conversations about it even outside of here i really well, thank you it. and yeah. it's interesting that you said your family are involved in that it's you don't normally hear from the victim side. There's not yeah. a lot of victim support out there. There's a lot of cybersecurity and all the all the things, the technological things that are being done, but nobody wants to take on the victims. It's uncomfortable when you've got someone yeah. that's been taken. And it's unfortunate that, you know, even people working in our offices that are paying bills are going to become victims because they're going to get an email saying, hey, wire $100,000 to XYZ company in the next 15 minutes. And then finds out that that was that was a BEC, you know, the business email compromise scam, where it wasn't the boss actually sending you an email. And now that person that has been thinking they were doing what the boss wanted them to do is has now given away $100,000 of the company money. They're going to get fired. Oh, uh, wow. They might be liable for it. And all they were trying to do is please the boss. So there's, it, it's part of our lives everywhere in business at home and, and just be really, really careful before you click or before you send money to anybody. The other thing that big uh, years ago, and I think it's still happening is uh, the real estate escrow accounts. You know, oh. you'll get an email saying, hey, put money in your escrow account and you think it's coming from your banker or from your realtor. And it's a scammer that has spooked all that. And now you've lost wow. your escrows. So if there's money to be gained, they've got a they've got a handle on it. And we just have to do our due diligence and, and be responsible for not letting ourselves be that take that first step. Yeah. Wow. So, thank you, girls. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Enjoy yeah. the rest of your day. We will we will still be in touch. Thank you so much, Debbie. Thank, Thank you, you so Debbie. much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come be a part of the HDC community. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Have the Convo. For information on all of our shows, guests, and more, visit htcpod.com. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Talk soon. <laughs>